it's Radio Free 501C, the voice of Rogue Tulips Consulting. I'm Cecilia Sepp. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on all the major podcast services. This week, I welcome my guest, Jennifer Baker, MSWCAE, and she's going to share her insights and advice on career management in the nonprofit sector. You don't want to miss her great tips. Welcome to episode 191. Hey, everybody, it's Monday, April 10th, and that means it's time for another episode of Radio Free 501C. I'm your host, Cecilia Sepp. I'm the principal and founder of Road Tulips Consulting, and I want to thank you all for joining us this week for this exciting episode about career management in the nonprofit sector. I'm here with first-time podcast guest, on our podcast anyway, Jennifer Baker. But before we uh, throw it over to Jennifer to say hello, I would like to say Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to our global audience, wherever you may be. And thanks again for joining us. So Jennifer, welcome to the show. Uh, Please say hello to our audience and tell us a little about yourself. Happy spring, everybody. We're so glad it's starting to bloom where we are. And I am really happy to be here today. Thank you for the invitation to join me, Cecilia. For those of you I don't know, I'm an association management professional, and I help organizations bridge the gap between strategy and execution. And throughout my career, I've had the opportunity to work with individuals and employers on various issues related to career management, staff management, and workforce development. And most recently, as part of my work at ASAE, I ran Association Career HQ, which for those of your listeners who may not know, is really a premier one-stop shop for association career and talent management resources. There's a job board and content resources and people who can help you with your resume and coaches. So it's a great resource there. And that gave me additional depth in this topic. And it is one that I love to talk about. So I am really looking forward to the conversation. Oh, me too. Thank you. That is a great summary. And I, and you know, Jennifer, I forget that you were one of the people behind Career HQ. Uh, do you, what is that website for people who are listening who might want to check it out? Yes. So the fastest way to get there is do ASAE Center, uh, the American spelling, C E N T E R, <laughs> dot org, ASECenter.org, and then select the career tab. And if you put your cursor and hover over, you'll see that drop down menu and you'll see all those great resources that are there. And there's a great team uh, that helps run that uh, career center. Um, and it really does have a lot of wonderful resources. It does. And, you know, and I just want to uh, publicly thank you for all the work you did over the years, making it such a great resource. I know I use it. I read it. Uh, my resume is up there if anybody's curious. <laughs> so I look at it. I like to browse the job postings because uh, you never know when you might see something that a friend or colleague could be interested in. So I do encourage our audience out there, you know, check it out. You might find something you like or something a friend of yours might like. So, but Jennifer is here today to share with us again, all of her insights and uh, advice about managing your career within the nonprofit sector. And there's three big areas we wanna to uh, cover today. And the first one is career management is more than the search. So I love that statement because it is true. So Jennifer, could you talk about that a little bit from your perspective? Absolutely. I think often all of us, when we think about career management, we really think about the job search activities. 
about a resume or LinkedIn profile, applying for jobs, interviewing comes to mind, but it really is a lot more than that. And first of all, I, for myself, as I started to get into this, I'm like, what the heck does that really mean? Career management. I mean, it's thrown around, but what does that mean? And I came across this definition, which I really like, which it's about conscious planning of one's activities and engagement in the job that you undertake in the course of your life for fulfillment, growth, and financial stability. So that is really part of designing your life, right? And work is really central to that. And I like it because it's about crafting a career that leads to self-sufficiency and fulfillment. And I like it because it isn't just focused on finding a job. It's focused on all the other things. So when I say career management, for me, there's six areas that are involved. And I looked at a lot of models as I was thinking about this uh, as part of my work um, uh, at ASE. I had to give a lot of thought to this. And so I looked at a lot of models. And um, there are a couple of key areas. So vision. You have to take time to step back and cast your eyes on the horizon. That's really hard for us as association management professionals. We're doers. And it's really tough. But taking that time is really important to be sure you're on track career-wise. And I would suggest at least annually making time to think about and documenting things like your values, your strengths, where you need to work on, what are your wins? Keep track of your wins. It's amazing how many of us don't do that. Think about what work is it that you want to do. It may not be what you're doing today. Uh, and that may actually end up on the list of things that you really know you don't wanna do if you didn't have to. And also about what qualities of a work environment, a team, a supervisor you need to thrive. Because if you can document that early on, that's going to serve as a great foundation if and when you decide to look for a job or maybe you have to look for a job. The other things are things you know. Lifelong learning sounds like a buzzword, uh, but I think we all know now. Uh, things are moving fast, and it is incredible that uh, in the course of a 30, 40-year career, back in the day, people could stay pretty relevant and not do a lot of lifelong learning. That's no longer true, uh, and nobody's going to do it for you, so uh, think about that. We have to be self-motivated. Um, engaging expert support. So many of us, when it comes to our health, our homes, our lawns, uh, dog care. We have no problem outsourcing and leveraging support. Well, you can do the same thing for your career. It might be a career coach. It might be a resume writer. Uh, there are so many folks who out there who serve this sector, by the way, who know this sector, who can help you. So think about engaging expert support, professional community. And we're going to talk more about that. Cecilia, I know uh, yep. you've got some great stories about networking. So we're going to be talking about that. But uh, it is really key and the, it's important to build it before you need it and to curate it and take care. It's like a garden, caring, uh, tending and feeding. And it not only helps you with job search, but it helps you in jobs that you're tackling, challenges, uh, when you need referrals. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've seen that time and time again. I bet you all have as well. And Cecilia, I know you've, you've talked about some great times when you've been able to leverage um, insights and, and uh, opportunities, share opportunities. And then the last part is that effective job search. So that's the sixth component. And certainly understanding how that ecosystem works today 
If you haven't been in the job market in a little while, or you always got your job through uh, word of mouth, if you ever have to jump into applications and that process, it's changed. And so keeping up with that trends are really important. So those are some keys there that I think broaden that lens. What do you think about that? Oh my gosh, that is uh, great. <laughs> That's great. I'm just sitting here listening like, yes, yes, that's so true. That's so true. And the last thing about how job searching has changed so dramatically in the last five years, and I know a lot of people are hanging their hat on the pandemic lockdown, but these changes were happening before that. So going Absolutely. to the remote workforce, the virtual office, the virtual company, the hybrid model, becoming digital nomads, those were things we were already doing. We were already doing online webinars and yet everybody acts like none of that stuff happened until the lockdown. And it's like, it's simply not true. We just use them more often and adapted them more quickly to the needs that we had. And so looking at the job search, now when you go to apply for a lot of jobs, you have to autofill an application online by putting up your resume and then they still want a copy of your resume as an attachment, but it just autofills this form. But then you have to go back and proofread the form and make sure it put the right thing in the right place. And so those are some different steps. And another trend that happened the last couple of years I noticed was video interviews with a robot mm -hmm. that people had to do. And I think that's sad because if it's human resources, why are we talking to robots? <laughs> it's like... Filling out the online form, I totally get, but uh, talking to robots on a video doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me because, and this is kind of getting a little bit off track, uh, but, but the thing about technology is it can connect us in so many ways, and yet we seem to be putting up obstacles to connection. If it's human resources, it should be human connection, and so that brings us to what you were uh, foreshadowing here for us about talking about networking and keeping your community vibrant and fresh and staying connected. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I'll share, uh, because, you know, some of my stories should not be recorded, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but the, uh, the thing about being part of a professional community, for example, like we're both members of ASAE, and I have been a member of ASA since the mid-90s, still am a member, have no intention to stop being a member. Uh, and I was very active volunteer leader and contributor uh, for about, you know, 10, 10 11 year period. I, I had some volunteer roles there, was on some working groups and, and things like that. But when that when when I stopped doing that, because, you know, you have to let other people have their opportunity, you know, so you kind of go find something else to do. One of the things that I try to do is create my own ad hoc volunteer opportunity. Uh, you don't have to be in a formal position to contribute. So if you see somebody that needs help with something, it, you know, try to reach out and help them out. Uh, that's how I got into organizing study groups. Uh, people are asking for mentors and asking for study groups to get ready for the CAE exam. So I'm like, well, I guess somebody needs to do that. I guess it'll be me. So I just started doing it as a volunteer. So I, I want to encourage people to, to keep that in mind, too. You don't have to have a formal role at, at an organization or in a professional community to contribute. Uh, you can answer questions. You can help people. You can be on panels and things like that. And I know, Jennifer, you and I were talking as we were prepping for this episode 
we're talking about expanding our networks and meeting different people from outside of our community. So it's sort of like if you live in a small town and you go to a bigger town and you meet some different people. So it's it, similar to that. So you had some great comments about that. So could you could you uh, tell us a little bit about your perspective on growing the community and, and expanding your network? Absolutely. I love what you said too about creating your own opportunities. And this is another place to do it. So one of the things uh, that I've done, uh, Tracy Talbot, a fabulous sector colleague, uh, helped me get this going. Uh, we created a networking group and we started uh, we, about two years ago. We've been meeting monthly. It's just we, we're adding people in and it's been so much fun. And I asked them last night about what they think of career management, what points to make. And uh, one of my uh, folks said, you know what? People should remember our community, and this is the way I put it, is our sector is big and it's small at the same time. And it's big in the number of organizations, as, as some of your listeners may already know, but there are well over a million and a half uh, nonprofits uh, registered in the United States and, and they're a subsection or associations, but still numbering in the thousands, right? So lots of organization. But when you look at the human side, there are really smaller communities of association professionals, uh, the DMV, uh, the Chicagoland area, certainly among the largers, but in every state, every state capital, there's communities of association professionals. So it's like that small town, people are gonna know you. And uh, if, you, uh, if you think about it and take time to do it, you can really build uh, a strong community. And there are ways to, so I think you have to look at it from two lenses. One is your immediate professional circle. Those are the people in this community. If you're uh, doing what you do at an association, get to know other association people who do what you do. And there are lots of great ways to do that. Then layer on uh, folks that are outside of your professional community. And that could be inside or outside. So I often will attend tech events. I am not a tech person per se in terms of my day-to-day -day roles have not been in tech, but I wanna know more about that. I wanna understand how they think. Uh, get to know folks on your industry supplier side. Uh, often they have great insights into how to manage programs and run businesses. And that's an easy way that you can broaden that circle. Uh, you know, Cecilia, you and I talked about this, and I think one of the challenges for all of us is that uh, as adults, we often network less. Our friend circles get more solidified, our professional circles get more solidified and smaller even sometimes. And so don't let that happen to you. And it's uh, as easy as saying, you know what, I'm gonna just get into my existing LinkedIn profile and uh, reach out to somebody I haven't talked to who I'm connected with in a while and say, hey, can we hop on a Zoom for 15 minutes? And it is not about being extroverted or introverted. It is about uh, really sincerely coming and spending a few minutes and saying, hey, I wanna get to know more about you and your work. Let's share some information. And then you've made a real connection. So it becomes important for career management because it allows you to stay on top of current trends. It allows you to understand what different generations in the workforce are facing and think about work. It allows you to see the ball uh, in terms of new opportunities that may be coming up at other organizations. And then certainly uh, to develop references 
and people who can give you insights uh, when it comes to job applications. So I think those are some ways to uh, be expanding our networks. And uh, I challenge you practically, and I challenge myself this way. I set a goal for myself at least two uh, networking meetings a week. And I've been doing that for about four months now. Um, and it's been, it, it gets easier. Uh, and they're really short, but they've been great. Wow. I'm just sitting here like, wow. Cause like I try to do two a month. Well, that, <laughs> I mean, not like one-on-ones, but yeah. I have, uh, I also made a similar commitment to try to get my face out there more uh, because I have high name recognition. And so people kind of know of me, they don't necessarily know me, you know, or are connected to me. So I made a similar commitment to uh, try to find one ASAE event like webinar to participate in every month and also AWTC Association Women Technology Champions, they do an event every month. So I, you know, I look at their event schedule and see if that meshes with my schedule. Can I participate in that? I'm also part of uh, Prometheus Consortium, which is more of a think tank kind of group for nonprofit people. And that's something I've just gotten into this year. And then I recently joined the Nonprofit Alliance. I've recently joined the community at Nonprofit Leadership Alliance. So I'm kind of like getting out there meeting some different people. And so I, I do heartily recommend that. I'm also active in my community association where I live. Mm -hmm. So speaking of that small town, that smaller piece of the community, and I live in Montgomery County, Maryland. And so we have a lot of nonprofit professionals around here because we're right outside Washington, DC and uh, some retired government people uh, live here. So it's a good mix of people. I put it out there every once in a while on our community listserv. I put out something about the podcast. If I think people in the neighborhood might be interested in the topic. Uh, I've actually ran into one of my neighbors. Turned out he ran a 501c4 and had him on the podcast last year. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is really cool. So, you you know, the, the point of this long story is this. You don't know who is out there. Uh, outside of the group you're already talking to until you kind of take that risk and, and go into the other group and it can be a little intimidating and it can be harder to make friends when you're an adult uh, because you made such a good point Jennifer we tend just not to work at it like when we're little kids we're all at well I don't know what little kids do anymore I'll be honest but when I was a little kid we just used to go outside and play and then you met other little kids because you're outside playing well, adults don't really do that. You know, we might, we have our friends, our small group of friends, like you said, and our small network, that piece of the group. And um, even big organizations have smaller groups within that larger group. So like ASA is a very big group with lots of groups within that group. So, mm -hmm. you know, how, can you break out of one of those little groups? You know, can you break out of this community and reach out to people in another community? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, th I think doing that is really, it's not, it's not just good professionally. I think it's good personally. I think it helps you develop uh, mm -hmm. and understand how to talk to a lot of different people and that uh, there may be more people with your interest mm -hmm. than you realize. And you never know a connection, a new connection like that could lead to a new uh, job opportunity or volunteer opportunity. Absolutely. Yes. I love that. I want to put in a plug to, uh, I did a panel presentation recently uh, with Association Insights uh, in Old Town. Uh, mm -hmm. That's another group. And they, uh, at the end of their sessions, there's about a half hour. So if you can attend the session, but plan to stay on 15, 20 minutes afterwards, 
you may have that opportunity, you will have that opportunity to have some op uh, talk with people who you may not know and drop in your LinkedIn profile and people do reach out. I was recently forwarded a link from somebody uh, to Pat Rombaletti, who has written a book called Bulletproof Your Career. And I got a uh, link over to, she does a Thursday night Zoom call. I had no idea what to expect. There were 600 people on this call, everybody, which was astonishing to see from all across the United States in all sectors. So not just association people, uh, and people were putting in their LinkedIn profiles. I had two outreaches from that. Uh, each time I've attended at least two or three from people I would have never met otherwise. Um, and then I took up Krav Maga a couple of years. It's Israeli defense fighting, very fun. And that wow. small gym uh, brings together all kinds of folks. So, so to your point, it, it, it gives me windows and insights and ideas that I can crosswalk into the work I do. And excellent opportunities to practice things. We've been talking about doing a podcast, maybe Krav cast, <laughs> but it would be, it would be a way of being able to practice that skill that again is transferable back absolutely into any association work that you may be doing. So just want to buttress that point because I think it's a great one. Yeah, I, that is, that is so interesting. That is another martial art form I had not heard of. <laughs> uh, so that's really, there's a lot of them, like there's several in South America as, yeah. that come from that community and that culture. So I, that that's really cool um because my hobby is gardening so <laughs> <laughs> that that's really cool uh but um coming back to our you know major theme topic of career management in the nonprofit sector do you really think Jennifer that it's really that different from a for-profit career management excellent question and I would say the core areas to focus on, those six that I talked about, apply to careers. Whether your career is being a mom, whether your career is in managing your household or a dad, uh, whether your career is being a CEO, whether your career is running that for-profit uh, entity or doing sales, or if your career is managing a grant at a foundation or uh, helping to bring in new members for an association. Those six buckets, I think, apply. Um, and they're skills that you can flex. And one of my personal uh, things to keep in mind, and again, it crosses whether it's for-profit or non-profit, because we know people make that leap, right? They may, may move from a government job to a for-profit job to a non-profit job. Uh, so that is absolutely uh, a possibility, and we see it a lot in, in our area, in the BC metro area. Um, I think another thing to think about uh, in terms of those six things you can do, whatever your career looks like, is to remember too, visioning as part of that visioning is, what do you want that career path? What image works for you? And so often I think we default to the ladder. Uh, there's a lot of pressure to be on the ladder and that climbing the career ladder is either the only or the best option. And that's just not true. Uh, to me, I would suggest some other images that I think are uh, absolutely equally viable and also more realistic, given the fact that associations, generally speaking, are micro to small enterprises. Mm -hmm. They're relatively flat with staff structure. 
And there's just so many CEO slots to go around and C-suite slots to go around. So I would say you could imagine your career in other ways. Like how about like a library chair? And you find that chair, that place where you are a specialist, you are researching, you are knowledgeable, you are deep. And I know people who do that. And I know people who were vice presidents who did this thing because they were really good at it. And that was their expertise, regulation, research, whatever that may be. So it's not about the title. It's about how you're going to dig in and how you see that. And all of those things, still lifelong learning, still leveraging experts, that all applies. The other image that I really like and I've seen so much of in our sector is the lattice. I feel like we move around often. We'll see people who will uh, look like they're on a ladder, but their aim isn't the top slot. They're just really good. They are open to more responsibility uh, at different parts of their time. So they get promoted to managers, senior directors. Uh, they may move to another organization in the same kind of role, or they may choose and say, hey, I want to learn something new. I know someone who was a uh, vice president uh, at an industry supplier, uh, and he decided, I want to learn more about data analytics. So he went back to school and figured it out, and he's looking for data analytics jobs that are not vice president level, because he wants to dig in and get and get to know those. So just some other images for, for folks to think about that while it feels like sometimes the latter is all that's available to us, there's other ways uh, to design your career. That is so true, because uh, just to support what you just said, not everybody wants that top job either. They, they're just not interested in it. They don't even want to be in the C-suite. I, I love the library chair image, and I think the lattice image is really what most careers look like, because we're not always going in the direction we thought we might go. Uh, things change. Um, organizations do layoffs, or you know, you move into a different role within the the profession. So, I really like to look at a career arc, as opposed, you know, because. It could go up, it could go down, go back up. And I think if you look at people that way, that's another thing to consider. And, and not just saying, well, I'm not going to interview this person because they're too senior and they have too much experience. Well, might bring them in and find out why they're applying for that job. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're trying to take a step back. I know somebody who was nearing the end of her career. She'd already done all the big the big jobs that she wanted to do. So she was kind of going back to a more you know, mid-level position uh, as she was heading toward retirement. So as I go toward retirement, I don't, I don't need to be in that big job. I, I want to have a job right now, but I, I don't need that pressure. I don't need that weight of the responsibility. And I think knowing that, you said earlier, Jennifer, people need to know themselves and really know what they want, really know what they're looking for and what they're interested in. And I think knowing that wherever you are in your career arc is really important too. And I also think since we're talking about the nonprofit sector for, for the nonprofits that are membership groups, you know, keep that in mind with your members as well. You know, a, a member might be an employee and then they might be a consultant and then they might be an employee again. So people are still in the profession no matter what role they're in. So I think that helps us when, you know, we were talking earlier about the career headquarters that you can access at ASAE. 
and other groups have them too. There's a lot of them out there. And then there's all the other job recruiting sites like Indeed and ZipRecruiter and, and all those great places. Uh, but I think when we're, we're looking at that for serving our members through that career services area, you know, keeping that in mind as well, you know, do we have enough resources for people who are on a lattice instead of a ladder? And for the people who are on the ladder, do we have enough high level education for them when they get to the top? Because I think a lot of associations hear that when it comes to the education or professional development, that for the very senior people, there's really not a lot of education geared towards somebody with 20, 30 years experience who is in that C-suite role and what do you have for them and where are they gonna go? I think we wanna try to keep those people within our group and encourage them to stay and, and maybe help us develop that education. And then that's a way for them to participate and be involved. I love that point, Cecilia. I think this concept, we've approached it from the lens of us as individuals managing our careers in the nonprofit sector. This crosswalks beautifully into our roles uh, as either influencers or final decision makers around hiring. And if you can take some of these concepts and think how that could play out in terms of both people you're trying to bring on staff and maybe make you open to candidates uh, that uh, don't perfectly meet uh, a set of uh, requirements, but actually might be your best next candidate, but they, they may be older or they may have taken a year off or they may have uh, titles that you're not sure quite how they crosswalk. Um, but there are ways that you can do vetting to say, hey, I think you might have the core skills. Let me go ahead and talk to you. So there's that piece. And then there's also, as you say, the implications for how are we delivering value to the people we want to serve and supporting the trades and professions that we want to serve. And career applies. Uh, and it's often those career services that, that are seen as most valuable by uh, folks who are paying dues and are most additive for employers that you're seeking to serve and helping them address their challenges with workforce development and talent management. So it opens up a whole new area for some folks who have not really thought seriously about how do we take these concepts and figure out where our people are and where we could find that sweet spot and uh, generate some non-dues revenue, delivering real value. Uh, and work is so core to so many people's identity that if you offer a great program, it's going to get attention because it's really speaking to, to a, a fundamental need uh, mm -hmm. that people have. So I love that point. And I think it's so true. It's not just about our own careers, but it also, these concepts can help us be better on the job. And they, that, those are great uh, insights to the way you connected everything. And I, I just love the term you use crosswalk. I've never heard that before used uh, for connecting information, but I love that. It's, I usually say dovetail, I, I guess yeah. coming from the furniture side of things. Uh, yep, yep, there's, there's all kinds of. You know, well, what do we do? Cross-functional teams, right? So right. crosswalk totally makes sense. I love that. Yeah. So I always get that image of big uh, crosswalks that you see, you know, lots of people coming across, so. Oh, right. And going back and forth. And yeah, I, because that's how ideas flow. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a great image. The more I think about it, I'm, I might use that if it's excellent. Okay. I like it. Uh, but before we wrap up this episode, this has been such a great in-depth conversation. But I think we would be remiss 
if we did not talk about another broad theme, which is the gig economy and how that might be affecting not only our individual job searches, but how our organizations are functioning. And I know you have some thoughts on that. Yes, absolutely. I think it is uh, very interesting. And this is connecting the dots, crosswalking to the point that you made earlier that uh, trends in the work world of work did not start just in the pandemic. We were starting to see discussions about the gig economy uh, coming in before the pandemic struck. And I think uh, the association sector for a long time has been insulated. Uh, but what I see is that things that are happening in the larger hiring environment and ecosystem come downstream. Things that are happening in the larger business environment come downstream, right? They make it down market because, again, associations are micro to small enterprises, most of them, and they come in. And so we are absolutely seeing that tenures are getting shorter, layoffs, which were not things that you would hear about a lot, but layoffs are happening. Associations are becoming more businesslike and they're taking a more businesslike approach to staffing. And that can be a shock for some people. I have heard so many people say, I love working in an association. We're like a family and your family doesn't let you go, but a social enterprise lets you go if they need to, right? And that's (laughs) a business decision. That's a business decision. So I think really, if you can take that gig, that thought of a gig, and I had a wonderful conversation with somebody, and this was pre-pandemic, and I, you know, what do you do? And she said, well, currently I'm practicing, and uh, I won't get it exactly right, but currently I'm practicing at the fill in the blank, you know, ABC Association as a marketer. Uh, And I'm really enjoying that. And I thought, what an interesting way to put it. And she went on to say, I view myself as an entrepreneur. And uh, sometimes I apply that in an employed way. And sometimes I may employ that as a consultant. And uh, I may, it allows me to be uh, flexible and I stay prepared. I stay ready so that if a layoff comes or if a new opportunity comes up, I am ready to go. I'm not surprised. I'm not shocked by that. And I think um, that is just a wonderful attitude. And again, given the fact that career movement in general in the world has become more and more common, we've heard it. uh, Generations of workers, um, uh, millennials and, and subsequent generations view work very differently. And that sensibility is coming in and they will move to find what fits their life. We can learn lessons from that, but you can't do that successfully if you haven't laid your foundation. And again, that's where that career management and viewing it, sometimes I liken it to flossing. I used to liken database management to flossing. I think this is sort of like that. It's really good for you. Um, And if you just try and do some habit forming uh, and it doesn't have to be everything all at once, you actually are going to see big benefits uh, across uh, the the many years that we all uh, ultimately end up putting into work. Yeah, that's uh, that's funny though. Using flossing, I think, because I think that's the one thing a lot of people scare. Like, oh yeah, I should floss maybe tomorrow. <laughs> but I know, I know, you know, I'm a flosser uh, just because I did get in the habit. Because right. you know what it took me to start flossing is a dental hygienist said to me, "If you floss daily, we won't have to take so long to clean your teeth." 
Ah, good. So you got to chair faster. Oh, okay. Well, when you put it that way, I there's a cost benefit sort of thing there. So if you're not flossing, it'll get you out right. of the dentist chair faster. <laughs> so right, right. And uh, and comparing a database management on a consistent basis to flossing is also a good one, because if you keep your data clean or more regularly, then you will have a better database from which to make decisions. So I love that too. And the thing about the gig economy is it really was talked about so much like I'm going to say what is what year is this 2023 probably more in like 2018 to 2020 mm -hmm. you heard mm -hmm. it a lot I talked about it a lot. But I'd also been saying for a number of years I've been a consultant for about 18 years now of my career and before that I was on staff for 15 years so looking at that and I moved from job to job like when you know very much to all the wonderful points you made Jennifer it's like well this job yeah there's nowhere for me to go now I've done everything here I can do there's not going to be a promotion let me go somewhere else and so that's what I would do and then I started consulting and my consulting has been really an evolutionary experience in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and I've enjoyed that but I've been saying for a number of years because I was a consultant and so it's very much a gig it's like okay we want you to come in and do this project for us okay whatever that project is you're done you move on uh, so that's that's always cool and you learn new things but you are always moving on you're not there permanently and I've been saying for a number of years that I think eventually we will all be gig workers. Mm -hmm. None of us will be employees anymore. We will be attached to a project, an assignment at a company for a period of time, whether that's five months or five years. And then when that's finished, you will go be assigned somewhere else, find another position somewhere else. And I think that's really uh, with the younger people, they totally get that because they were born mobile. We weren't born mobile. We adapt it to mobile, but they were born mobile. They, they're always like on the move. I've got everything I need in my device that I carry around with me all the time, you know, whereas mm -hmm. like when I started working, you actually had to go to the office or you couldn't do your work because that's where all the work was. <laughs> you right. didn't work yeah. with you. Now we have our work with us all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's another challenge of how do you not work all the time? Yes, and, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I just, um, there are, you know, with the rise of the sharing economy, uh, that gave model, uh, real life models for what gig work can look like. Upwork uh, is a, a place people go and find gig work, right? But within companies, um, big consulting firms like Booz Allen, that's what you do. You find your next project and they actually have very robust career management uh, because you're on the hook to do it, uh, but you're working within it in a company. Associations, some uh, smart, I would argue, smart organizations are looking at um, job uh, swaps, mm -hmm. um, job sharing, moving people around with intentionality so that they can keep that institutional knowledge, but allow people uh, the opportunity to have the change within the framework of the organization. So gigs, I think the understanding of a gig, it's become shorthand for something that means uh, a lot more than it used to. And it can be done in the context of being in an employed relationship or a self-employed relationship. Um, so yeah, I, 
I agree with you. I think that the world is the world of work. It's I akin it to um, is akin to sausage making. We're right in the middle of the sausage making, and we're not quite sure. We 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 can look back fondly, or maybe not so much, on the old world of work. Right. But we don't really know what that new world of work is going to look like. So again, why does career management matter? Because we're in the sausage making and you don't want to get ground up <laughs> to keep that going. So uh, yeah. these are some things that that you can do. Um, and there's a great quote from Branch Rickey that I love. Luck is the residue of design. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if you can do just even a little designing, um, you're going to find uh, that you you are experiencing, I think, some some really great things in your career as you move forward. Um, and so so it's it's uh, it's something that's going to serve you again, um, regardless of uh, how you look at your career, whatever pictures you have in your head. Uh, and you don't have to do it all at once, but tackling those things really will pay off benefits. Yeah, that is a great quote. I love that. Uh because it reminds me of another quote you might like by Ben Stein, the writer. And he mm. said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yes. So that's been a quote similar to the one you shared that I've always liked too. So okay. uh, there is luck, but luck does tend to be the result of hard work <laughs> and, uh, and being in the right place at the right time, which can be, Absolutely. it's the difficult part. I mean, you can do the hard work, but finding the right place at the right time. And you know, I, it's interesting. So we're kind of making the sausage right now. And, and I think that is true because these things take so long to actually play out mm -hmm. uh, when, when things change like this. And, you know, listening to you share those thoughts, I was thinking, you know, we're actually in a period where the individual is ascendant, mm -hmm. even though it may not feel like it sometimes, mm -hmm. because it is like gig economy, digital nomads, we can work for ourselves. And so a, a lot of those old structures are, are cracking and the people who don't want the old structures to go away are trying to force them to stay. And th that's why you make sausage is messy. Yes, it <laughs> so. is. Yes, it absolutely is. And it's scary. Uh, and people fall through um, the, the, the cracks when structures break. We know that. Uh, yes. And um, so it is, again, uh, to remain relevant, to remain uh, being able to stay ultimately financially uh, sustained, being able to do the things you like to do in other parts of your life, that is what career management helps you do in a choppy uh, VUCA world. <laughs> you know, uh, it's really um, going to help you um, uh, increase your chances of being able to land on your feet uh, when disruption comes, because I think we know in myriad ways, it may not be necessarily a layoff, it may be something you choose, uh, but in myriad ways, things um, can change. And so uh, I think smart uh, individuals know, hey, this is a way that I can help myself, I can help the people I care about, and, and uh, uh, bulletproof, to use Pat Romilotti's term, uh, to the extent that we ever can, uh, my, yourselves uh, for moving forward. Wow, that's, you know, and this has been such a wide ranging and in-depth discussion. I wanna thank you for sharing your expertise and knowledge with our audience this week. And 
Uh, I always like to ask uh, my guests, what is your closing thought? So what would you like the audience to take away today? And then how can people get in touch with you if they would like to follow up? It has been a great conversation. So thank you again, Cecilia. What fun. So here's the final thought that I have, which is if you choose not to actively manage your career, you are making a choice. And it may not serve you well in today's world of work. And there are so many benefits that come with investing in yourself. And there's a lot of easy ways to get started. So what are you waiting for? And I would be more than happy to talk with anybody about this topic. You can reach me or others. <laughs> you can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, at uh, it's LinkedIn and the last part that you would put in is Jennifer Baker CAE or by email at jbakerjoy, J-O-Y at gmail.com. And I look forward to uh, hopefully hearing from some of you. And again, Cecilia, thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, great. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I did too. This, this was really fun uh, conversation and it's a serious topic, but I but I think we can uh, appreciate uh, some of the humor <laughs> when you're looking for a job. I mean, we've, we've all been there. We've all been looking. We've all been hiring. Uh, so I think just trying to find, uh, you know, the interesting aspects of it is always a good idea. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and we should enjoy what we do. So I'm, uh, you know, I like to have fun uh, doing it. So uh, well, we, we have to go rogue for now. But we'll be back next week with another exciting episode. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our future episodes. If you'd like to learn more about Rogue Tulips Consulting and how we can help your organization bloom outside the box, check out our website, roguetulips.com. And you can find a list of our services and fees and how to get in touch with me if you'd like to set up a call. If you are a CAE, a CAE candidate, or just a curious sort like myself, and you're looking for some professional development opportunities, check out our education program, the 501C League. It's got its own website, the501cleague.net. On behalf of myself and Jennifer, thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time.